take your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 24. While you're going there, I'm going to change things up a bit today and uh, pull uh, a Dan Hilmers and ask for some uh, participation on the front end here. So here we go. So I need you to help each other for just a minute. Remember what our focus has been the last few weeks Can anybody tell me what our focus has been for the month of September? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. More specifically? Missions. Global missions. Reaching the nations with the gospel of Jesus. Can anybody tell me three characteristics of God's plan in Scripture? I'm going back three weeks now. One of them is God's plan is sovereign. Anybody remember the other two? Christ at the center, center, Gary. And what happens when He's at the center? Missions as the overflow. All right. You're a little quieter on that one. Now can somebody tell me who put that plan in place? Father, Son... And Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Good. And when did they put that plan in place? Before creation, before the foundation of the world. Good. I'll consider that passing, and we will permit you to eat at the picnic. (laughs) But before we do that together, let's go to Luke 24, and I want to look at the empowered church on mission. That's our topic, the empowered church on mission. And Redeemer, I want you to hear this up front. I'm talking about you when I say the empowered church. If you claim Christ as your only hope for life, I'm about to tell you what the Spirit who now lives in you moves His people to do in the world. So when you hear me describe the empowered church... Don't say to yourself, oh yeah, that's what they, the the, the church kind of people out there do. Say, no, that's what I am. That's what I should be and look like. God has given you a mission to accomplish with the Spirit's enabling strength. But don't take my word for it. Let's read Jesus' words in Luke 24. Verses 44 to 49, and then we're going to bounce all over the place in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts to uh, flesh out what the Spirit empowers the church to do. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 44. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses... And the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations." beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, 
but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The disciples are standing at a crucial moment in God's plan of redemption for the world. All of the scriptures have anticipated these three events, that the Christ should suffer, that the Christ should rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. All of history revolves around these three events, and two of them the disciples have just witnessed. They have witnessed Jesus suffer and die, and they have witnessed with their own eyes Jesus rise from the dead. And now, as a result of Jesus' death and resurrection, the disciples are about to witness the forgiveness of sins proclaimed in his name to all nations. In fact, Jesus is about to make them part of that proclamation to all nations. But before that happens, Jesus makes it very clear that these disciples cannot handle this mission he's calling them to. They need the Holy Spirit's power. And we know Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit's power because in Luke's second volume, the book of Acts, he tells us very plainly that Jesus is talking about the Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Before that happens, you won't be able to be my witnesses. You won't have the spiritual equipment you need to endure this mission. And more than that, nobody's going to believe you. The Spirit must come to awaken dead hearts to the resurrected Christ. So he tells them, you stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's got to happen first. That will be the signal that God is gathering all the nations through the preaching of Jesus. That's when the long-awaited age would finally come when God would pour out His Spirit on all flesh. That's when the church would be empowered to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Wait until you're clothed with power from on high. But once the Spirit comes and empowers the church, what is it that He empowers them to do? And I see at least four activities characterizing the Spirit-empowered church. When I read through the book of Luke and Acts. So number one, the Spirit empowers the church to speak the gospel. To speak the good news of Jesus Christ. One of the connections that... Luke uh, loves to make throughout his gospel and, and the book of Acts is that having the Spirit and speaking about Jesus go together. Every time the Spirit fills somebody in Luke and Acts, 
they can't help but say something about Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth is over six months pregnant. Mary comes to visit her. And the Bible tells us Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaims. She's filled and she exclaims. With a loud cry, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. You're carrying my Lord. Same thing happens with her husband, Zechariah. A little bit further in chapter 1, Zechariah is filled with the Spirit and he prophesies. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. He's talking about Jesus. Same is true of Simeon when he's actually holding the baby Jesus in his arms. The Holy Spirit comes on him and he says, My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. John the Baptist is filled with the Spirit. And what else does he do? Then proclaim a baptism for the repentance, for the forgiveness of sins. He preaches the good news, it says in chapter 3, verse 18. And even Jesus, the Spirit anoints Jesus in chapter 4, verse 18 of Luke's Gospel. And what does Jesus say? This means it says that He has come, the Spirit has anointed Him to proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then we get to the end of Luke's Gospel and see the same will be true of the church. When the Spirit comes on the church, the church will speak about Jesus. And when that happens after Pentecost, when the, when the Spirit comes upon the church, we see the church speaking about Jesus. Peter preaches Jesus in chapters 2, 3, and 4 of Acts. Alongside John. All the apostles preach Jesus in chapter 5. Stephen preaches Jesus in chapter 6 and 7. Philip preaches Jesus in chapter 8. Then Paul in chapter 9. The Gentiles in chapter 10. Barnabas in chapter 11. Then Apollos. And on and on and on the story goes. The Spirit empowers the church to speak the gospel. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus. He tells the world about Jesus Using our mouths. Spirit comes on the church, and the church says to the world, We're all guilty before our Maker. We've all committed cosmic treason against our Maker. God's judgment is coming upon the world, but Jesus was crucified for the forgiveness of our sins. Then God raised Him from the dead with all authority and power. If you repent, if you turn away from your sinful sex and your love of money and your self-help philosophy to life and your false gods and your arrogant attitudes at work, if you turn away from them and have Jesus, you will be saved. You will have eternal life. Your sins will be forgiven. You won't have to fear the wrath to come. That's what comes out of us. When the Spirit comes in. 
So the question the Bible confronts us with is this. Can we honestly say we're a spirit-filled church if no Jesus is coming out? I'm not saying you have to get up in a pulpit or go door to door to speak about Jesus. I also don't want to limit speaking about Jesus to our interactions with lost people. The church needs to hear about Jesus as well to be saved. What I'm saying is that if you're a Christian, you'll want to bring Jesus regularly into the lives of others, especially those without him. You may have various obstacles to overcome in doing so, but the Spirit enables us to overcome those obstacles to help get Jesus to the world. Everything we need for bold witness, faithful efforts, prayerful attitudes, humble speech, clear explanations of the gospel, broken-hearted pleas for people to turn to Christ, everything we need, the Spirit is able to provide. In fact, if you want your witness to increase, one of the best things for you to do is to ask the Lord every day to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is exactly what the early church did in their mission. A few of them get persecuted. They get together with the other believers. They're all scared about keep, to keep doing this. And they lift their voices to God in prayer saying, Lord, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And this is God's answer. When they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You got fears in speaking about Jesus to others? Your first response is not a better method, though that may help. It's not more books on evangelism, though that may help. It's not even a discipleship hour class on evangelism, though that is even helping some of you as we speak. Your first response is prayer for the Spirit. Dan even tried to drive this into some of you the first week of that evangelism class. Evangelism is first and foremost about abiding in Jesus. When you're abiding in Jesus, when you have the Spirit, you're going to talk about Him. The Spirit empowers the church to speak the gospel. So would you please pray together at home and in your care groups that God would fill us with the Spirit. You can go home and strategize all you want about how you're going to be more committed to sharing the gospel. But unless the Spirit is filling you, you will get frustrated, have the wrong motives, and eventually burn out. Your starting place in speaking of Jesus to others is speaking to God about it. In fact, some of you efficient make-it-happen types... Just antsy to go home and build a list for yourself? You should just go home and sit with God for a while. Ask Him for wisdom and insight into why you may not be sharing the gospel with others. Or how you might share it even more. 
then pray for the Spirit to enable you. And then trust Him and open your mouth as the Lord gives you opportunity. And yes, that will also mean doing hard things like telling people to repent. Not just telling them about Jesus and what He did, but actually telling, okay, this is what Jesus' Lordship means for your life. You turn away from that to have Him. There's no forgiveness promised to people who cling to their sins. That may get your head chopped off, like it did John the Baptist. But we tell them the whole message. We tell them how Jesus must affect their life if they're to know His salvation. So yes, that's a hard thing. But this is what the Spirit gives us the boldness to do. Number two. The Spirit empowers the church to strengthen each other. The Spirit empowers the church to strengthen each other. The Spirit gives us different gifts and abilities that we need for the mission. After He comes at Pentecost, we observe the disciples doing various activities that strengthen the church, which then in turn strengthens their mission. The stronger the community, the more fervent their mission will be together. And this plays out in a variety of ways. For example, there are saints mentioned in Acts chapter 2 who have material needs. And the Spirit is moving others in the church to meet those needs by selling their possessions. In chapter 6, verse 3 of Acts, this need arises for seven men to help serve tables so that the apostles can keep teaching the Word and the Word can keep going out. These men, it says, must be full of the Spirit and of wisdom to serve tables. Full of the Spirit. Why? So that the teaching of God's Word might continue to advance. It's for the mission. Then later in chapter 15... Everybody's been out of shape. They don't know what to do with all these Gentiles coming into the church, coming, into, coming to know Christ, how to instruct them. And so the apostles come together with the elders and the church in Antioch to get matters lined out. They send a letter back to the Gentiles and say, you're good to go. Trust in Jesus. You're in. Just don't eat idol food or practice sexual immorality. But part of the letter says this, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. The Holy Spirit is actually the one who enabled the apostles and the elders and the church to make the decision for the sake of the Gentiles following Jesus. Spirit-led leaders were working with a Spirit-led church to give Spirit-led instructions for the Spirit-led mission among the Gentiles. Some of you have these sorts of gifts. To think hard over difficult matters and to bring God's Word to bear on specific issues that help the church and the mission in the long run. Don't back down from using them. In another place, we find a woman named Dorcas who is full of acts of charity. She makes clothes for folks. Hello, all you ladies who've been making these dresses for the 
orphanage in Haiti. Let's pray that your acts of charity here towards these girls gives Pierre and Lorphine greater opportunity there to speak about Christ's generosity towards us. Barnabas at one point comes and exhorts the church in Antioch to remain faithful to the Lord because he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Spirit. His exhortations come out and strengthen the the brothers and sisters. And there are several men and women in this congregation who are that for me and for others. Later, the Spirit's work in the church produces joy among the people. Some of you have a gift of bringing joy to our body. In chapter 20, verse 28, it's the Holy Spirit who gives the church overseers to care for the saints, feeding them with the word and protecting them from false teaching. Then Apollos, we see later on, is a brother who's fervent in spirit and an effective teacher. Some of you have been gifted to teach Not merely for the sake of teaching, but for the sake of a church more equipped for the mission. Pursue that with all the zeal that God mightily inspires within you. Romans 12. And I haven't even mentioned all the various gifts lifted in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 or 1 Peter 4. The point is this, all of us who possess the Spirit have a unique contribution to make for stronger saints in the mission God has given us. An important part of global missions is strengthening the local saints. Some of you haven't been called to move overseas. But you've been called to stay and strengthen and send others. Your gifts are for people like Billy and Heather and Chris and Stephanie and Max and Laura who need your prayers and your support. In fact, I texted uh, one of our brothers on the field this week in Central Asia telling him some of the things we'd be talking about today regarding the empowered church. And, uh, And he wrote back and said, you know... As the church is empowered to do all these things, once missionaries get to the nations, they struggle in all the areas you're going to talk about today. They struggle with boldness to speak the gospel. They struggle to encourage teammates who are sometimes very difficult to work with. They need your prayers. They need a refreshing word of encouragement. They need you to come visit them and others of you to pay, pay for teams to come visit them. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 16? He's out on the mission. Corinth, the church in Corinth, they're all back home. But he says, I rejoiced at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have made up for your absence for they refreshed my spirit. Some of you are gifted for this kind of regular encouragement of missionaries who go out. Some of you have entrepreneurial skills in business and you work diligently not just to provide for your own household, but because you know it's going to serve the mission financially. I've heard it come out of your mouth, some of you. I'm doing this so we can send more. 
Others of you are servants. A few of you compose music to bless and strengthen the church and make God's truths more memorable for us. Others of you are really gifted in evangelism. And just as a side note, if that's you, might you pray about taking up the mantle of, evangel- of local evangelism in this area when Dan leaves in a few months? We need somebody to step in. Whatever the case, each of you have gifts from the Spirit to strengthen the church for the mission. My charge to you is simply this, remain faithful with the gifts you've been given for the church. Pour yourself out in them for the benefit of others. And by doing so, we'll all be stronger for the global mission. Some of you may be sitting around waiting on the Lord to send you somewhere else and and you're missing the opportunities immediately in front of you. It may very well be the case that the Lord is preparing you to go elsewhere and we're all for that, but right now He has you here with us. And we need you. And we need your gifts. Your mission doesn't begin when you land that pastoral position. It doesn't begin when you land that church planter role or when that ministry spot in some other country is fulfilled. Your mission began when you were born again. And it is here right now with us. There are brothers and sisters that need you now, that need your counsel now, that need your critical thinking skills now, that need your prayers now, that need your service now. Our global disciple-making will be furthered insofar as our local disciple-making remains strong. But the converse is also true. Our local disciple-making efforts will be strong insofar as they serve global disciple-making. Which brings us to a third point about the Spirit empowering the church. The Spirit empowers the church to scatter to the nations. Spirit empowers the church to scatter... To the nations. Again, Luke 24, verse 47. Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, to all the people groups of the world. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says that when the Spirit comes, there'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then the rest of the book of Acts reveals that work of the Spirit unfolding. The Lord adding to their number in Jerusalem. And then the church spreading throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And then to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. All the way around to Illyricum and then over to Rome. Till we're left hanging at the end of the book of Acts with these words, Let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the nations and they will listen. Point being, this is where the Spirit leads you and me to pick up where the early church left off. Some of you are familiar with the uh, church planning network called Acts 29. There is no Acts 29 in your Bibles. It's deliberate. They're trying to make a point. 
It's a fantastic reminder of where we all live as Christians. We live in Acts 29. We're all continuing the mission to the nations. This is where the Spirit compels His people to keep scattering in the onward march of the gospel. Because, here's the thing, there will be a multitude of worshipers from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation present at the throne on the last day, and the only way they'll be present on the last day is if they hear the gospel and believe it for salvation. That's the only way they'll be present. The Spirit compels us to get Jesus to all nations because there's no other basis of salvation for them. That's why we have to go. There's no other basis. There's no other name by which they must be saved. They must hear of Jesus if they're to have their sins forgiven. No forgiveness can be offered to anybody truthfully outside the name of Jesus Christ. Repentance and forgiveness of sins must be proclaimed in His name. That's why Christ pours out the Spirit like He does after His death and resurrection. Because He wants all people to know forgiveness comes to the nations because of what He did on the cross. People may object and say, what about the innocent people who live in some remote village in some far-off mountain range? Will they go to hell if they do not hear of Jesus' name? The answer is no, because innocent people do not need their sins forgiven. It's just that the Bible story says that there are no innocent people since Adam sinned. Everybody is guilty, and everybody needs their sins forgiven if they are to enjoy life with God. Only Jesus is innocent. But He was crucified for the guilty that they might stand before the throne of God as though innocent, covered in His blood. Sins cleared forever, separated from them as far as the east is from the west. That's why we scatter in Fort Worth and scatter to the nations, because God intends to forgive people's sins when they hear the name of Christ. And knowing all that we've been forgiven, how could we not scatter to tell others in the world where forgiveness is found? So if this is the pattern of the early church, to gather for the strengthening of each other and then to scatter on missions, how how might we start looking like that? Here's some suggestions. Get you thinking and praying and strategizing with one another. Talking to us about what we might do next. What would it look like for your care group? Or maybe a couple of care groups. What would it look like for your care group to gather and scatter on a regular basis? Could you target a particular neighborhood with your care group? You get together, you pray, 
get a map out and say, all right, this is our neighborhood. We're going to focus on that for the next six months, maybe the next year. Maybe you even choose just a couple of streets where some of you live. And you just set goals to meet people in that neighborhood. Speak a word of, looking for an opportunity to speak the word of Christ to them. Looking for people of peace who might welcome you into their home. Maybe you start a Bible study there. What would need to change in your schedule to make disciples of the people on that adopted street? Or maybe even an adopted apartment complex? We're either scattering to make disciples of all nations or we're disobedient, folks. So what might it look like for your group? What might it look like for you as an individual? Pray about what your role will be in scattering to your neighbors. Or maybe you and your family check out this website, peoplegroups.info, if you want to write it down peoplegroups.info. You've got to register, send them an email. They'll send you back, give you a password and all. It's basically a database that's being built to locate where unreached and unengaged peoples of the world are here in the U.S. We've been doing, the IMB has said we've been doing such a good job of getting everything outside the United States and we've got refugees and everybody else pouring into the U.S. Where are they and how can we reach them? That's what this website's about. You might explore some of the unreached peoples that hang out in your neighborhood. Over 300 ethno-linguistic people groups in DFW. That's amazing. Examine your surroundings. Maybe there's a mosque or a temple. We've got a Buddhist temple right down the street here. Looks like a house. It's a temple. Maybe you could visit these places. Maybe there's a particular apartment complex with uh, refugees or, or an ethnic restaurant or a grocery store you could frequent in hopes of engaging people with the gospel. Maybe you have an extra room in your house and it looks like hosting a foreign student in your home while they're in college. Using wisdom, of course, and putting appropriate measures of accountability in place. But maybe you're in a position where you could do that. If that's you, I know somebody that you can talk to. Right, Dan? There he is. All right. Dusty Deavers moved to Oklahoma to preach the gospel in a city that lacks a healthy church and see if the Lord would raise up a healthy church. He needs help. Maybe just one family, just one, might consider moving to Elgin. Small town, looks like you coming in, getting a job, and then praying and strategizing with the Deavers about how best to reach Elgin for Christ. If you want to go, let us know. 
if you're compelled to move overseas one day. That's another way we can scatter, maybe even to reach one of the 304 unengaged peoples who have no active strategy to reach them with the gospel. Come talk to us as well. Ask your care group to start praying intentionally for direction in this area. Area. The Lord certainly gives passion to individuals to go, but the church plays a significant role in equipping you and evaluating when and where to send you. So those are some examples of how you might scatter on mission. Take them home with you, pray about it, read God's Word. Just think strategically about mission, about scattering. Ask yourself, what's my contribution going to look like. Moms, your contribution at this season may be raising up children who love Jesus and grasp His global purposes. That's it right now. And then simply being intentional with the other opportunities God gives you. Maybe at a park when you're playing or in the mall. Well, your kids are playing. You might be watching. I've seen some moms on swings. but just being faithful with the opportunities God gives you. Dads, here's a question to ask yourself. Does my wife and my children, do they have a love for God's global purposes because of the example I'm setting and because of the things that I love to talk about? Do I talk about global missions with the same intensity that I talk about with the Aggies winning in overtime yesterday? It's a good question to ask yourself. I had to ask it. For me. That's where the Aggie example comes from. Sorry, I married into it. You know, this whole Aggie thing. May we not neglect... One of the ways the Spirit empowers His people, namely to scatter, to speak the truth of forgiveness to others. One last point. The Spirit also empowers the church to suffer for Christ's sake. As I was reading through uh, Luke and Acts, I couldn't help but notice that whenever the Spirit fills someone, it doesn't lead to health, wealth, and prosperity. You ever notice that? Some of the most spirit-filled men are those who suffer the most in the Bible. I'm thinking of men like John the Baptist and Stephen and Peter and Paul. At some point in the story, we're told that each of these men are filled with the Spirit... And it's not too much further after that we read of them suffering greatly. Stephen's filled with the Spirit. He's one of the seven men the church chooses to set aside to serve tables. Chapter 6, he's preaching the gospel. Chapter 7, he's stoned to death. When you're reading through these things, what becomes evident is that to be filled with the Spirit is actually to live like Christ in taking up a cross. You see, Christ Himself was full of the Spirit. He even had the Spirit without measure, John's Gospel tells us. And out of love, He suffered and laid down His life for our sins. The same Spirit, the same Spirit of Christ, now lives in the church 
to continue Jesus' mission. And the Spirit fills the church so that the church looks like Him. In other words, we're not empowered to escape suffering. We're empowered to endure suffering for Christ's sake. We're empowered to follow Jesus on the Calvary road of self-sacrificial love. And that will bring us suffering. The Spirit will lead us to deny ourselves certain pleasures in this life. And it will bring some measure of suffering. The Spirit will lead us to give our money sacrificially so that we actually feel it when we're giving our money away. That will bring suffering. The Spirit will lead us to speak of Jesus even when the setting means you're going to look weird and unpopular. And that will bring suffering. The Spirit will lead you to be uncompromising in your social ethics. Decisions about marriage, abortion... Lying to employees or customers. And that could potentially lead to suffering. How does Peter say it? Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. And get this. Because the Spirit of glory rests upon you. 1 Peter 4.14 Suffering for Christ's sake is proof that you're real in those instances. It's proof that the Spirit is giving you an unflinching commitment to Jesus even when the world is hostile to Him and hostile to His message and hostile to the way He commands that we live. It's at this point that we can take the theology of the prosperity teachers and flush it down the toilet. Life in the Spirit is not some kind of triumphalism that lacks the agony of a cross. Life in the Spirit embraces the agony of a cross to see the lost world saved. Yes, some Christians will suffer more than others. But suffering for the sake of the gospel is every Christian's calling. 1 Peter 2.20 For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. It is our calling, and it's what the Spirit empowers us to endure in the mission. So let this point sober you. I mentioned earlier, one of the things you should do is Pray for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. But you need to be sobered by this. Because when you pray for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, it might get your head chopped off. If the Spirit will drive you into this sort of lifestyle, the lifestyle of self-sacrificial love that we see in Christ, then... We should count the cost in following Jesus. But on the other hand, this point should also encourage us as well. When you suffer for Christ's sake, you never have to guess whether you're going to make it or not. The Spirit is totally capable of helping you endure it. Just read the saints of the saints' lives in the Scriptures. 
God didn't leave us to endure suffering on our own. He gave us the Spirit to make us faithful through it. The Spirit empowers the church to speak the gospel, to strengthen each other, to scatter to the nations, and to suffer for Christ's sake. If none of these things characterize you, then I would just ask you to very seriously consider whether you have the Spirit at all in you. If not, you can simply turn away from your sins today and turn toward Christ, trusting that He has died to forgive you of your sins and He will give you the promise of His Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter is preaching, he says that the promise of the Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. If you do not know this life in the Spirit, turn away from your sins and turn to Jesus and God will give it to you. God will give you life in the Spirit. In other places we know it as eternal life. Maybe a few of these things are true of you and others of them aren't. Maybe some of them are weak in you and others, while others of them are strong. Give thanks to God for what the Spirit has already begun in you. And then ask Him to continue that work. Ask Him to continue filling you daily with more of His power that you might grow as a Christian and as a church. Then take every confidence that He will enable you to do these things in the mission and for the mission. In a minute, Heather's going to come speak to us about some of the ways the Spirit used her and empowered others on her team in their ministry. But until she comes, let's pray the Spirit would fill us as a church.